Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 82. My biggest thing, man, is like, if, you, if you're really passionate about something and you've got a bit of a talent for it, just go for it. And if it works, amazing. You know, you've fulfilled your dream. And if it doesn't work, at least you've got some perspective then when you have to go for your backup plans or your other stuff. You're like, you know what? I tried it and it didn't work. And I didn't like being cold and scared and tired every day. You know, I, it wasn't, wasn't what I was into. And now I'm here and I've got a comfortable job and a house and all that stuff. And I'm stoked. But at least you've got that perspective. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another deep dive uh, interview for you guys, and it was another really cool interview with a great friend of mine and a phenomenal athlete, Bren Orton. Bren tells us all about his origin story and how he got into kayaking, as well as we talk about his multifaceted aspect of kayaking between freestyle, uh, you know, doing some races, doing his events, um, building brands with Send and his YouTube channel. And then we also dive deep into something that we haven't really talked much about before on this podcast. And it was a big injury that Bren had, uh, both a a head injury and brain injury off of 100 plus foot waterfall Alexandria Falls in Northwest Canada. And we just talk about, you know, what happened, the recovery behind that. And yeah, it, really cool conversation. Honestly, um, it ran a little bit long in, in, in all honesty, because uh, one, it was just an amazing conversation. And two, I haven't spoken with Bren since, you know, well before COVID. So it's probably been a year and a half, two years since we since we've talked in person. But uh, Bren drops so many nuggets of gold, so much great advice for young up and coming athletes, talking all about building a brand, talking all about social media and YouTube. And yeah, I, I honestly think you guys are going to get so much value out of this. Uh, Bren, is just an incredible person and I can't wait to share this with you. So let's wait no longer. Here is the British ginger, Bren Orton. Well, Bren, first off, thank you so very much for joining me here on The Art of Awesome. No, mate. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It is uh, it's honestly an, an honor, mate. Looked up to you as a kayaker for years. Uh, well, well, thanks for that. Um, Bren, you are an incredible paddler. I mean, obviously I, I've done a lot of paddling with you and, and I kind of remember you as a younger athlete, especially the, the early years back in like, uh, I think the first time we kind of traveled together was for the whitewater grand prix. One of the, one of the earlier ones. Um, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, you, you've really taken off in the last couple of years and, and, uh, and I would consider you like a, a talent in a multifacet of, of, you know, the whitewater discipline, whether it be Creek racing or motocross, freestyle, uh, waterfall running, all that kind of stuff. And you've also got this, 
pretty incredible story of your beginning and, and kind of the origin story, I guess, of how you started kayaking. So I wanted to take us back to that a little bit and hear a little bit of a kind of from your perspective of uh, how it all started. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I was nine years old and I tried a lot of sports at that point, you know, and, and a lot of the local area and a lot of the, you know, my family and other people, but they're, they're only free sports really. And it was like, um, rugby, football, and boxing. That was all people were ever really interested in. The, the idea of out, outdoor sports or action sports just didn't exist in their mindsets. And um, they took us away out of the city with a school trip out to the countryside for the first time. We went to the Lake District in England and we tried a bunch of stuff. So we tried hiking and I found that sort of cold and boring. And uh, we tried climbing and I found that like sort of cold and scary and boring because you had to wait for the instructor to belay you you know like when yeah. you were actually climbing up the wall then that was wicked fun I was all about that but all the waiting around with like 20 other kids it was it was boring and then yeah we got in a we got to go kayaking and uh, I remember that first time like sliding out onto the lake and somehow managing to build up some speed and turn and not and to like somehow drop the right edge and not um, not flip over onto my head like some of the other kids did and I remember the the feeling of the kayak skidding across the water and I thought that is the sickest feeling ever I just want to do that more and uh, that was it honestly mate I was hooked I went back home and I was like mom so I'm a kayaker now <laughs> and she and she was like isn't that dangerous and uh, took some convincing but she could see how passionate I was about it so we ended up getting my first kayak which was like this 25 pound almost $30 equivalent um, fiberglass thing. And it yeah. was, you know, you know, like now using like modern day kayaks all the time, this thing was, you know, it was a junkie, you know, it's lucky that it floated. But um, back then it was, it was my pride and joy, you know, it was red. It had these yellow stripes on it. It was, it was like my Ferrari, you know, I loved this thing so much. That's super cool. And then from the little bit that I kind of, you know, know as well when we were traveling around a little bit together you kind of dropped out of high school to to pursue kayaking am i correct in that uh not not just to pursue kayaking but when i was in high school there was there was a lot of um negativity and a lot of things that didn't make me feel very good about being there and i wasn't getting anything out of it you know like there were one or two teachers that I really respected and my PE teacher I'm still in touch with today, Robert Wilby, is a really nice dude and was always really supportive. But a lot of the other people didn't want to see an alternative perspective to things. And because of that, we were always butting heads and I wouldn't back down and they wouldn't back down. It led to all these fiery um, explosions when it shouldn't really happen, you know? And, uh, and then also... Like I love learning. That's what I love so much about kayaking is that it will never, it will never ever not be a learning environment for me. You know, like yeah. just as I'm starting to feel good about something, all of a sudden someone else figures something out, or I do, or oftentimes it's it's your brother-in-law Dane just like pushing the limits. But it it never ends for me. You know, there's always something to do, and that's what I love most about it is learning. And so I left high school pretty confident about being able to learn outside of high school without teachers anyway, and to put all that time wasted in school into, you know, learning about what I wanted to learn about. And uh, yeah, mate, I just crushed as many books as I could, traveled as far as I could to, to learn more about kayaking, spent as much time on the water as I could. That's awesome. I, I love that story because it, uh, I don't know, I guess I, 
I had a, it connects with me because I had a similar like approach to school where I loved learning, like obsessed with learning, but the school system to me was so, I don't know if old school is the right term, but it just seemed for me anyway. And, and again, excuse me for anybody who's listening, that's a teacher or anything like that, but I, I, I just found it, um, such a not like waste of time because that's like such a, a a negative term or like a negative way to put it but just there was so much time wasted in the school system where um where I could like go and learn read the book or or learn a subject or something like that so much quicker on my own instead of just always having to review 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 to like the kids that weren't you know doing homeschool or doing uh their homework or, or anything like that and so I think the combination of what you're saying that just books and the internet now that we have. And then on top of that, what I really liked what you said was traveling. I think you can learn so much by just traveling. Um, 100%. That's, you know, like I, I always, the thing that always disappointed me about school was that they weren't necessarily teaching me, at least in my school, how to think. What they were trying to do was teach me through repetition, how to remember a bunch of things that other people think are important, you know, and, that never struck a chord with me. I was never motivated to do it. And I, I was firmly like middle tier in school, you know? Yeah. And, um, but what I was interested in was video editing from, from like really young, you know? And I remember I had the Sony handy cams and all of that stuff trying to learn and figure it out. And it was such a process to get the footage from that camera onto the, the computer, which I'm sure you know all about as well. But yeah. it was, you know, I had to, I had to rip it. I had to rip the tape to a DVD and then rip the DVD onto the computer and then change the, the format of the file I got off the DVD. And then finally I could start editing it on Windows Movie Maker. And uh, I remember I was, I grew out of Windows Movie Maker quite quickly. Just, just with, I, I always thought there was so much more to other editing programs than there are. And um, yeah. I was desperate for a, for a copy of um, Premiere Pro. I ended up getting one from yeah one of one of my older mates or something came put it on the computer for me and i remember i was like finally i'm gonna learn i'm gonna be a proper editor here we go and i opened it up and there's so much going on i, I panicked i was like oh, i can't deal with this and i closed it and i didn't look at it for like another three days it was just too yeah. intense for me as like a 13 year old or whatever and um but then i put in more time and again just like you're saying you can learn so much from youtube even more nowadays when i look at the tutorials that kids have available to them now versus 10 years ago when I started, it's Crazy. night and day. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I, I remember the first time as well, like looking at the same thing, looking up premiere or, or any of that cut. I think final cut too, like back in the early days before, um, I guess before premiere. Um, but opening it up and it was almost like almost like reading code like uh, or like a hack or something like that where there's just so much stuff on the screen where you're like what do all these things do i don't know what i'm doing yeah but uh, yeah it's pretty cool i mean youtube university nowadays you can like you can learn anything online yeah mate i know i'm even i've got to look up i've been saying it since the start of the year basically that i was gonna go into skillshare or masterclass or something and just find something to like learn beyond what I can find available for free, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I need to sit down and do that classic. Um, so talking about, you know, video, video editing and YouTube and all that stuff, you guys have, um, 
a pretty you know well-known YouTube channel and, and account, The Senders, and you've also created this brand behind it, just send, send period, which I think is just, I don't know, I, I think you guys have done some phenomenal branding there. Um, I really love the logo and the brand message and everything like that. Kind of walk us through a little bit of how that all started, where you came up with the name, and, and kind of who's all part of Send and the Senders and stuff. Well, mate, honestly, I was I watched every single kayaking DVD available to me as a kid and the, and the VHSs, you know, so it's me. There was nothing cooler than the thought of having a crew and traveling around the world and, and filming and going kayaking. You know, that was, yep. you know, from when I, when I was like 11 years old, that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And I watched all these crews and I was like, from the beginning, I was like, all right, you know, I was meeting other kids that were kayaking. And I was like, we got to do this and then we do that. And they all got older and went to school and stopped kayaking and all of this stuff in college and university and girlfriends. And I was the only one really around my time from the UK that just stuck with it and was completely in love with it. And uh, I was so lucky because I was, you know, got to hang out with them shits and, and that crew. And I learned so much from them about like, you know, having a crew and how how good that is for you know, not, not just like fun and enjoyment, but also if you're trying to get things done in the sport, it's you always have people that are motivated to go out with you. You always have safety and you always have people that will help film and edit and all of that stuff. So that was what I was always looking for. And I'm always so grateful to them shits for letting me tag along. But at the same time, they were getting older and not traveling quite as much. They're still ripping, still such sick kayakers. They just weren't hopping around the world as much as I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I met Adrian Matten on a trip to Norway and we just got along so well, mate. It was, it, it was weird, you know, like we had a, a similar upbringing with family life and cities and all of that stuff. And then we were right around the same age. And then we found out that we were born on the same day. So June 10th, we we're both born on the same day, both similar backstories, both into the same music. And we were like, dude, <laughs> that's, that's like, that's so crazy. Yeah. And then we talk about the future and what we wanted to do. And we were like, dude, that's what I've been trying to do. I just haven't found anyone to, you know, like do it with. And um, we were hanging out a bunch. And that was that was when Sen started. I remember we were sat in Norway at the, at the like little pub one day trying to think of names, you know. And the name is what gets in the way of a lot of people from actually doing stuff because they come up with the idea and then they need the name behind it. Yep. And um, <clears throat> people have such a crazy list of requirements for names. You know, it has to be short but long. <laughs> and you know and, and like oh you know like like historical but new school you know and, and yeah. all this all these like crazy requirements and when you look at other companies a lot of company names don't mean anything it's just what the company now stands for and what they build and they put out there you know like i think apple is a really weak sounding name mm-hmm. you know same for microsoft same for tesla i think is pretty cool but I think it's ironic that those cars are charged with direct current, whereas Tesla invented alternating current. So I always think that's a bit of a weird one. But, you know, the name's not important, but so many people get hung up on names of things that stops them from even doing it. And um, Mm -hmm. we had a big, long list of names, you know, and it was like classic, like flow gets used a lot in kayaking and like, you know, and then we had like chargers and then we had something else and something else. And then send was just becoming more mainstream out of the climbing scene. And yep. we wrote that down and we both just loved it. And we were like, all right, that's it. That's the one. Let's just do that. I didn't want it to be send it or get sendy or anything like that. Just send. And, uh, 
I remember drawing the first logos out and we must have been like 19 or 20. Uh, maybe we're old, maybe like 20, 21, but yeah. um, very early days, you know, and classic with anyone that's ever tried to design a logo or something. Your first one is always, there's too much going on. It's too busy. You're trying to put too much into it. Same issue as trying to find a name for your brand or your crew or whatever. You're trying to put too many things into it. And um, I had this like mountain split up with a river and an arrow and all this stuff. And I showed it to my friend back home, Matt Chatter, who's a graphic designer. And he looked at it and was like, well, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, it was like, a, dude, it was a knife through my chest, you know, because I showed him so proudly. I was like, dude, you remember yeah. me talking about wanting to have a crew and we we're going to make videos? Check out the logo. Isn't this sick? And uh, he was like, that's the worst thing ever. I don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was him who looked at it and underneath the logo that I've made, there was like a box with send written in it. And he was like, crossed out everything. And he's like, that's your logo. That's all you need. And um, it took me like three days to come around to it. But now I'm always so grateful for, for that um, heartbreaking moment where he basically fixed it and put us off to a much better start than if we'd have tried to go with that first logo. That's awesome. Who, who came up with the period afterwards? Honestly, mate, it was... I think it was, I think it was me. It just felt right. Yeah. You know, I just like looked at it and was like, needs that. Yeah. yeah that's I good. love it. I, it to me, it, <laughs> Cheers, it's Nick. just like such a, I don't know. It's like send period done. That <laughs> sentence. Yeah. yeah nothing, like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing else. I don't know. Super cool. So, and so with send, obviously you guys have this YouTube uh, channel and, and you make these rad videos and obviously you guys get a, a ton of views. Anybody who's listening, if you guys haven't seen it, definitely go check out Bren's videos and I'll put a link in, in the show notes as well, but you probably have cause there's, you know, thousands of views on there. Um, you also have the brand though, where you you're now selling apparel. Um, kind of how did that evolve from the YouTube or was it vice versa? Like, how did that all happen about? Mate, it was honestly, you know, like to just quickly continue the evolution of send me and Adrian sort of had this thing. Then we went down to Chile with Dane, Dane Jackson and Caleb Grady and got along so well, the the trip went sick. We recorded a bunch of sick videos and, uh, we didn't even talk about it. They just became part of send and that was it. The four of us were send. <laughs> And, That's awesome. Uh, that was that was honestly to me, mate. That was like the that was like the the catalyst. You know, that was that was the upward trend. As soon as we had all four of us in place, that was mm -hmm. that was when things really started happening and moving. And um, yeah, I don't know. We started putting out a couple of videos, and then people were interested in whether they could get stickers and whether they could get t-shirts and stuff like that. And I at first wasn't really that into it because it's a lot of it's a lot of things to manage, you know, posting out and shipping and dealing with returns and issues with customs or delivery and all of that stuff. And then yeah. on top of that, trying to source um, T-shirts and things like that that are in line with with my morals and the rest of the crew's morals is harder than you would think. And there's not much right. margin in it. And then it becomes a question of whether it's worth it. And um I've been sponsored by this company, Jewelstone, for a little bit, and they were making um, apparel, in my opinion, in the right way. You know, it was it was sourced properly. It was it was printed with with like with proper ink, so it weren't weren't damaging the environment. And the whole company ethos was like, we're not we're not trying to do this just for us. You know, if we're going to do something, we're going to try and do it right. And that just fitted in all together. And I I remember talking to the owner of Jewelstone, Rory, and he was like. 
well, mate, we'll just print your t-shirts. We can deal with postage and all of that stuff. You just, yeah, you just, you just have to do that. And then, yeah, hopefully you make a bit of money and you buy some new cameras and the videos get better and the show just goes on. And I was that's like, cool. yeah, that's exactly what I would want. You know, that <laughs> the best possible outcome, you know, rather than, rather than one of us trying to visit factories across the world and trying to find somewhere where the staff are treated right and the, the, the raw material comes in from a nice place and all of that stuff. Stone had already put in the time and work and the effort on that. And it was really kind thing of them to, to let us sort of jump on the back of, of what they were doing and piggyback on it. But it was also sort of cool for them because they were like the new kids on block on the blog. And because they were being seen in all of our videos and stuff like that, it sort of gave them um, like a lot of validity, you know, like that they were right. legit. And right. um, yeah, it was just, just worked perfectly in either direction. And I'm, I'm stoked on that, um, that partnership now with Geostone. That's super cool. That's so I love how that just all kind of fit, fit together that, I mean, it, it really is like, it, it's like, you've got this idea. I don't know. I, I regularly come across this whole like world of manifestation where you have like an idea and then it just like turns into reality. Uh, not trying to go like deep into that whole like world and, and topic, but it's, it's just cool how you're like, I want to start this brand clothing thing, whatever. I wish there was just a way that we could like, you know, tie it all in nice and simply and, I don't know. It sounds like a perfect match there. Yeah, mate, hundred percent. I'm I'm with you on that though. You know, like if you if you think about doing something often enough, eventually you start noticing opportunities. But it's weird as well how how the timing works on some things. I'm slowly getting better at it. You know, when I was younger, I was definitely just like, the time is now, let's go. And sometimes it's not. You know, and you just have to sit back and wait a little bit, and then something will pop up, and it will be the time. You know, but yeah. that's how that's how it all felt with like with like send and the videos and then the apparel and all of that stuff. It just felt like it was all happening at the right time, which is really lucky. That's awesome. Have you guys ever thought of, again, just because I think the whole send branding, the name, the logo, everything, I just think it's super cool. Um, Have you guys ever thought of like branching out beyond, you know, kayaking Um, or are you going to kind of just stick with your roots for now? It is. It's been like passively talked about, and that's part of the, the the beautiful thing about the name and stuff is that a lot of people from other sports can wear it and identify with with what it means, you know, to them. Yeah. But at at the same time, man, I I personally I think it's so important to always have those core crews in kayaking that just are just hyped on kayaking, you know, and they're not they're not necessarily trying to branch out and make more money in other areas, you know, like, like that kayaking is everything to them. And that shows, you know, and when I look at, when I look to a lot of the brands that that I look up to, that's what they did. You know, when I look at, yeah. when, when I look at Supreme, they, they were like a core skate shop in New York, you know, they weren't, they weren't trying to be anything else. It just sort of exploded yeah. from there because a bunch of people were so passionate about a sport and a lifestyle, you know? Yep. And um, I think that now there's so many people creating new brands and sports and companies and all of that stuff. And everyone's trying to branch out and go find that money. I think it's, I think it's really special now more than ever and, and much more important than ever to like stay true to where you started and the community that helped you start, you know? So if Sen somehow develops into something way bigger, that would be amazing. You know, everyone would be happy about having an easier time paying rent, but in the meantime, I think it's pretty cool that there's a kayaking brand out there that is that is legit. You know, it makes 
we make good videos, we make good cloves, we, you know, everything's sustainably sourced and all that stuff. And yeah, mate, I'm honestly really proud of what we have going now. I just want to make, I want to make better videos, eventually a feature length film with everyone. And then Sick. yeah, hopefully a couple of new cloves. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm stoked for you guys. I think you guys are definitely well on the right path for sure. And, and, uh, keep doing what you're doing for sure. What advice would you have? Uh, it, this is a, it's a funny question for me because I've always thought of you guys like as the young guys, but you're no longer the young guys anymore. What, what advice for, would you have for like the young up and coming teens that kind of, you know, the, the kid that was just like you when, when he was, you know, 15 or something like that, that really wanted to get into paddling. What, what advice would you have for him now? Yeah. The best advice is the one that's easiest to ignore because every single person when I shared my dreams and what I wanted to do they told me that you couldn't do it that there's no way that you can't make money from it that you'll never you'll never do it that's what everyone told me you have to ignore those people and then hold on to the advice which is actually useful you know and um I my biggest thing man is like if you if you're really passionate about something and you've got a bit of a talent for it just go for it and if it works amazing you know you've fulfilled your dream and if it doesn't work at least you've got some perspective then when you have to go for your backup plans or your other stuff, you're like, you know what, I tried it and it didn't work. And I didn't like being cold and scared and tired every day. You know, I, it wasn't, wasn't what I was into. And now I'm here and I've got a comfortable job and a house and all that stuff. And I'm stoked, but at least you've got that perspective and you're not constantly wishing that you'd gone out there and figured it out. And uh, the, the only other thing I would add to that is my, my best advice comes down to three things, which is tattooed on me, but it's, be kind, think different, work hard, which is the same anagram as, by the way, you know, BTW. And uh, honestly, anything good that's ever happened to me in my life is those those three things. I love that. Bren, that, that was some powerful advice right there. That, yeah, man, for anybody out there, especially the young kids, um, rewind back like two minutes and listen to that again because that that's incredible. That really is incredible. I wanted to also, we've been talking a lot about other stuff beyond kayaking. So I want to kind of go back a little bit back to, to the kayaking routes here. What, um, what's the largest waterfall that you've ever run? Is it, I was trying to remember if it was Alexandria or whether it was, um, uh, big banana, or maybe there's another one. Big, big, big banana mate, 128 foot. And, um, that again, man, that was the descent down the waterfall I was stoked on, especially to be okay at the bottom, but it felt like everything was against us on that trip and that project, you know, like this, this is how broke me and Adrian were. We had just finished a trip to Pakistan, which was expensive and we'd spent all of our money. And we had, I think that Adrian had just a little bit over a thousand in his bank account. And I had a little bit under, and (laughs) we were talking and we were like, we're going to make this happen. Just buy the flights. And, uh, we were talking and Adrian was like, yeah, the flights to Mexico, I've paid like 600 in the past. So I was like, well, that's perfect. That's going to work out great. We'll just cut back on the empanadas and we're, we're done. We've paid for the trip. Perfect. And uh, the flight, the flight was 800. Oh and then gosh. we each, we each had to pay a hundred to get the kayak on the plane. So we, we're arriving in Mexico for a three week project with like 200 250 euros between the two of us you know and uh, wow. it, that was where it started you know and then we, we were both sick from Pakistan and uh, we got off the plane Adrian's delirious and all this stuff someone jacks his camera bag and steals it 
I was messed up when I was packing. I'd forgotten to pack my camera charger. That was all we had. So we had one camera with free charged batteries and nothing else. And then Adrian's camera was gone. And then the water levels weren't good. And then we couldn't find anyone to take us to the fall. So we were looking on Google Maps and all of this stuff. And um, a bunch of people helped us out along the way. But it was such a crazy thing to me to actually have that descent go down because it felt like everything was against us. And uh, yeah, mate, it was beautiful to piece it all together and actually get to be at the top of that waterfall and to, you know, have all those moments that come with being in that situation and then to be at the bottom with both of us safe and stoked and happy. It was it was beautiful, man. Best best moment of my career, honestly, so far. I, I love that. That that is an incredible story. And I, there's just something about it when when life seems to like stack the deck against you and you you persevere anyway that's uh that is a, a super cool story and i didn't i knew all about the descent i didn't know all about the other stuff that happened prior so that's pretty cool um i i also wanted to talk about your alexandria trip i don't know we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to uh because i know that it's uh it's an emotional story um but 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 yeah, kind of explain maybe a little bit what happened there in, in your words, because I don't want to I don't want to put anything in in there that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. I mean, for me, it was <clears throat> that year was like the start of my dream, you know, like I would, you know, you talked about traveling with yourself and um, Matt DeMoulin on the Grand Prix trip. And I was yep. asking you guys for advice. And that was like when I wasn't. I had no money. I had no budget from other companies, you know, I would just work a job and then have, have a little bit of money from a job and go until the money ran out and then repeat the process, you know, but companies weren't um, giving me the, the, the budget to go off and do all the things I wanted to. And that year was the first year where it was happening. So I was traveling a bunch with the whole send crew and uh, we were having an amazing time going from different places to different places and kayaking and all of this stuff. And then I had, Neither myself, Caleb, or Dane had ever done the Stikine, which for non-kayakers is arguably the, one of the most famous big pieces of water out there and um, has such a huge place in the sport, as it rightly should. And we were all excited because we were like, that's it. Next stop, Stikine. Let's go. And um, we all flew in. There were forest fires, so we couldn't go to the Stikine. And we knew that this big waterfall was in because we had some friends there. And... Um, Whatever, whatever I say next is just how I've pieced it together. But I, for, for, for reasons that will become obvious later on in this story, you can't take everything I say as the exact like down the line truth because of what happens next. But we went there. We were all motivated. Everyone was stoked on the line. It's a, it's a hundred and it's, it's a little bit taller than a hundred foot, but it's almost perfect you know it's it's exactly what you would want for a waterfall that size you know it's 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 a beautiful piece of water and we we're all motivated and we split up the crews and the coolest thing to me about the same crew is that no one's superstitious and everyone's really confident so a lot of people have trouble with going in different positions in the group some don't like going first some do some people don't like going last all of that stuff you know and no one in my crew cares one bit. People can go first, people can go last. And we talked it out and it was decided that Dane and Caleb were going to film first and that myself and Adrian were going to run it. And um, we spent, we scouted it that evening. We slept on it that night. We talked the lines through. We got up early to go and do it. And 
my last memory, my last physical memory of this that hasn't been video footage or explained was high-fiving Adrian at the top. And it was like, safe lines, bird, I'll see you at the bottom. And um, I didn't see Adrian in the, at the bottom. I saw him a day or two later in a hospital bed. And I had no recollection of anything that had happened. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was doing there. And then, you know, for anyone that's, that's uh, active in sports or other things, you unfortunately know the sort of light that a hospital has, you know, that weird bright white light and you, the, all the sheets feel the same. And I was like, uh-oh, I don't know what, what we're doing here. And then I was slowly piecing it together. And my last memory was getting off the plane to Canada. And uh, I, I wake up and start moving. Adrian's asleep in the chair next to me. And um, I'm like, dude, what happened? Was it, was it a bad line? Or like, what, why am I here? And he was like, well, mate, so far, we think you had a perfect line. We have no understanding of what happened. But you took a massive hit at the bottom. You were unconscious. Your face is sort of messed up, but don't worry, they're going to fix that in a few hours. And um, he's like, the doctor said that you're going to be all right, but how do you feel, you know? And uh, Adrian and Hayden Voorhees were doing safety for us, at, for us at the bottom. Or Hayden was doing safety for both of us at the bottom. And then Adrian went and he was doing safety for me with Hayden. And uh, basically I landed, went under the water and it was actually a brother a brother-in-law Dano that pieced us together because normally when you go down on a waterfall you go really deep and you pop up away from the danger and we couldn't figure it out because the line looked good it, it didn't it didn't make any sense looking at the video footage because the line is good I hit vertical I'm tucked on all that stuff it looks like it should like I should just pop out and be cheering and celebrating but something weird happens in the landing and it was Dane that pieced it together that I go down and pop up quite early and then get pulled back a little bit. And then the, the curtain of water falling hits me and slams me to the front of my kayak. And um, you could actually see on that kayak the mark where my full face smashed into it. And you wow. could see where the helmet had left the gouge on the kayak. And um, then that, that obviously slammed my face into it as well. And I was, you know, like wobbly teeth, broken nose, broken eye socket. Um, and yeah, some, some pretty bad brain bleeding. And um, poor Adrian, when he pulled me up, basically thought I was dead, you know, because just blood everywhere, not moving at all. And uh, I was unconscious for a long time. I'd have to ask them for the specific time, but it was longer than someone should be unconscious for normally, you know, it's past that like five, 10 second mark. And um, yeah, it's crazy scramble to get to get me to the hospital and all of that stuff. And then the boys, the boys got me to the hospital and they thought that was over, you know, obviously they're like sad for me and they're worried about me and all of that stuff. And we got enough at 6am and no one had eaten and it's the late evening. I'm in my hospital and I'm like, well, that was a savage day, you know, like poor Bren, but let's, let's go get some food. Eh? Is everyone else hungry? And then we'll go check on him later. And I think that they went out for food and they came back and they were, the hospital was arranging me to be flown to a bigger hospital because of the brain bleed. And, um, there was only space in the airplane for one, one other person. So Adrian ended up going and Dane and Caleb drove like 11 hours around the lake to get to the big hospital. And that's, that's wow. where I woke up. That's a yeah, crazy mate, story. Wild times. <clears throat> yeah, dude, that's, it's wild. I, I've heard, I, I remember Dane like messaging me, you know, while it was happening and, uh, and it was nerve wracking and, 
you know, scary for me and I wasn't even there. Uh, I can't even imagine the experience for those guys and, and just for everybody who was, you know, a part of that trip and that message, uh, that, uh, mission. Um, how was it, how was the recovery for you? Because I've also had a couple, probably too many, but uh, a couple concussions and like brain injuries and stuff like that. And, and man, I would take broken bones over concussions any day. So how, how was the recovery for you and, and like the comeback and stuff like that? Because obviously that was, what was that? 2018, 2019, 2018, right? Yeah, I'd have to look at, I'd yeah, have to I, look at a photo or a calendar or something, but I'm pretty sure it was 2018 or 2019. Yeah. yeah I think it was 2018. 2018. Yeah. yeah. So you've had an, an incredible comeback since then, obviously, but, but how was that for you? And, and kind of, I don't know, walk us through a little bit of that. <laughs> try trying to man but covid's been getting in the way of things but as soon as travel <laughs> opens up then then i'll really be able to show what we've been working on but um yeah mate i mean recovery for me it was harder on my friends than it was for me because i had no idea about anything right and um, mm -hmm. the um like my friends like Dane and Caleb were like, well, Brent has to go home. He has to fly back to England, you know? And uh, Adrian who knows the situation and stuff more was like, Brent it will not want to go back to England. We need to send him to, we need to send him somewhere else where you can get better. And um, they called a bunch of people and um, you know, the Ottawa Valley is an amazing place with a bunch of amazing people. And um, the kindest lady in the world, Liz Davey was like, Brent's her. Okay. We'll send him here. I'll look after him, you know? And she, her, Seth and Anna Bruno really, really led the charge on looking after me. And um, I remember, I remember this because I'd been discharged from the hospital, but I was still a little bit confused, but I was, I was, I didn't want the trip to end, you know, like I wanted to keep going. I wanted to go to the Stikim with the guys. That's what I felt in my, in yeah. my heart, you know? And so I was trying to pretend that I was okay so that people wouldn't know that I wasn't so that I would still get to feel to go to the, to the Stikim. And then uh, so I'm playing it up with how good I feel and all of this stuff. And uh, I remember Caleb walked me into the airport and he's like, this is your ticket. Gate eight, like, or like gate seven or something like that. Your plane leaves in two hours. Gate seven, you're going to Ottawa. This is your ticket, you know, like, good luck, bud. And uh, some time goes by and I'm like, gate seven, don't leave for gate. Caleb said, gate seven, don't leave for gate. We're going to Ottawa. And I was like... I'm sort of hungry maybe i'll get a snack you know and i go and get a snack and then i go walking around and all of that stuff and um i forget why i'm in the airport and then i'm trying to remember why i'm in the airport because the brain injury and stuff i don't it, it's still all fuzzy at this point and then i hear like last call for passenger orton and i'm like that's me <laughs> and uh I like walk into the plane and she takes my ticket and she's like thank goodness we're about to leave without you i was like oh that would have been terrible where are we going? I know. Um, <laughs> so I get on the plane, land in Ottawa, and Liz picks me up. And I spent a few days just on the couch. I couldn't deal with any bright lights or much noise or any of that. And then I forget what day it was, but it was not soon after getting home that I was like, I feel better. I'm good. I, um, I'm going to go kayaking. And uh, I tried asking Liz for a ride to the river, Seth and Anna and none of them would take me to the river and asked enough times for Seth to be like you have a brain injury you can't go kayaking you know how he does it with like banging yeah. his fist on the table and it was awesome it was 100% right but I, 
in my heart, I felt like I had to get back on the river and go kayaking. And so they all left for work the next day. And I was like, well, it's not that far to the river. I'll just walk. So I got all, got in my gear, which was a terrible decision because it was so hot <laughs> outside. And I walked to the river from, <laughs> from, the, from, the, from Beachburg down to the river. And uh, I went out to Corner Wave and went kayaking by myself for like an, an hour or so and I was absolutely exhausted from it and uh, and then walked all the way back and like and um, was like sat on the couch or something and Anna came in and she was like why is your hair wet have you been in the shower or something I was like yeah yeah I've been in the shower that's what I've been doing and then she's like your kayaking equipment is outside you ain't kayaking you idiot she was so mad as as she should have been, and uh, as should all of my friends were, because they were worried about me taking another hit to the head and, and having it go much worse, you know? And um, But I just felt like I myself had to go kayaking, and I did that. And I, if I'm honest, as reckless as it was, and I could never advise it to anyone, and, uh, I, you know, like I apologize so many times to my friends for doing it, but when the doctors back home look at my brain scans. They can't understand why I made such a good recovery from it. And I personally think it's because I was straight back into my routine of kayaking and trying to, you know, trying to read and trying to edit and all of that stuff. And I think that's how that initial recovery happened. But I didn't, again, I played it up so far that I was like fixed after like two weeks. And I, I wasn't, you know, like my eye my eyes were out of focus for a long time. So the only way I could get down rivers or harder rivers was to basically have my kayak almost touching the person in front of me. And then the, the like blurriness was sort of together and I could make out with, where I should be on the river. Wow. And um, it was, it was such hard times. So it probably took me almost a year to get back to the point where I was um, felt good again. And then even another year after that to feel really like, truly confident again. And um I had for a long time the blurriness in my vision and my right hand, like the grip strength was gone. So I'd always have the paddle being ripped out my hands and uh, took a trip about five months after that to Zambia with Dane. And uh, that was honestly, mate, that was a trip where things started to feel like they were firing again. Like up until that point, I've been kayaking really defensively, you know, just really scared to hit my head again. And that's not how I like to kayak. And it was it was on that trip with Dane every single day for three weeks. That was that was honestly that's really when I started feeling like like the comeback was happening. You know, like I was confident in my kayak. Like I didn't have to be really close to someone that I could hit lines on my own. All of this stuff and um, yeah, ever since then it's just been trying to think think a little bit more strategically rather than just going kayaking a lot for the sake of going kayaking. Trying to think about what makes me better at this side of a sport and what makes me better at that side and what can I do on top of that? So as bad, I hate these people that can turn any, any bad thing into a positive because that, that sucked. I wish it had never happened, but at the same time, it was also a good point to understand that kayaking is the most important thing in, in the world to me. You know, if you touch a hot stove when you're a kid, you're not going to touch that again. The kayaking almost killed me and I was like that's all I want to do I just want to be back in the kayak and moving properly again and um, yeah. yeah mate I'm pretty grateful for like the opportunity to step back and figure out what I want out of the sport and how I want to do things in the sport and yeah man I've, as bad as it was for everyone involved it's I think it's gonna lead to better things eventually you know that's awesome I, I love that did, did you ever have 
Did you ever have like real issues with short-term memory in the sense of like remembering directions? Like when someone would tell you like, oh, you're going to go down this rapid, then boof right and then drive left. Like I would get my rights and lefts mixed up all the time with directions. Yeah, man, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I was honestly, man, I was, I was too, like the subconscious is a weird thing, you know? So in my, in another part of my brain, I was dead confident. I knew what was going on, but in another part of my brain, I was absolutely, for whatever reason, I was terrified. And we, we tracked it back to it being like a certain watercolor and a certain sound as on the day of Alexandra was somehow buried in the subconscious. And that's what was giving me this like weird, um, like nervous, like actually more than nervous, like almost anxiety attack thing, you know? And wow. then I'm trying to battle that and it's just laid on top of it. So, you know, like Dame would tell me a line and I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And he's like, make sure you give space. I'm like, yeah, I'll give space. So he'd peel out and he'd be like, well, fuck if I can't see where he's going, I'm not going to do it, you know? And I'd be so close to Dane throughout all these big rapids. That was the only way I could get myself down it for the first little bit. And um, I don't know, mate, I always try and pull a pretty good poker face, but I was genuinely, it was really hard for me to be in a kayak and on a, a river that size and feeling like that. And then, you know, a week goes by and nothing bad happens. And then you slowly start to become more confident and get the, get the love back for it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, and I also have that same experience where I paddle with Dane, obviously a lot. And, and <laughs> I trust him completely. And he'll just like, tell me the line. And I'm just like, uh, is it cool if I just follow right behind you? Like, <laughs> stop telling me I'm just going to follow your line, because that's going to give me better results. So <laughs> Man, the, the amazing, there's lots of amazing things about Dano. But one of the best ones for me is I'm sure this, this goes back to you as well. He has spent so long kayaking with us that he knows not only how to explain a line, but how to explain a line to us that we understand and to play to our strengths as kayakers with what, with how we'll hit the line, you know? Yeah. And uh, he might, he might tell Adrian something slightly different because Adrian's left-handed and bigger than he'll tell me, you know? And it's, it's constantly blown away with that dude, you know, of like how, far ahead he thinks on the water and how he yeah. applies it to different people but yeah mate dan's dan's beta is exceptional but following him is often the best the best thing for number one having a clean line number two just just you know like really getting to see how he's moving in the kayak yeah no that's it's so funny hearing that from you too because I've had the same experience where like he'll give someone else totally different beta and then me, he'll either be like, just, uh, just follow right behind me. Or he'll be like, ah, this one, you might want to get out and just take a look for yourself. Like, just like whatever it is, like, but a totally different beta, depending on who he's talking to. Super, super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. Unbelievable. But he's, he's so funny, right? Cause I, Southeast, he's, he's all about men. He doesn't <laughs> mind it at all. And myself and Adrian are like, Why? like why i would happily walk around this we just bashed down like eight rocks and then we ran another rock over like i didn't like that <laughs> and so sometimes we'll get to a river and i'll be like it totally goes but you won't like it and i'm like that's it i'm out i'm going and um <laughs> it's cool to be at that point you know yeah that that's super funny and and yeah it's i don't know pretty interesting his beta is definitely I don't know, a different level for sure. So we've been we've been talking about waterfalls, we're talking about, you know, a couple injuries and different things like that. But let's let's kind of switch the the aspect or switch the topic a little bit again into freestyle, a little bit more uh 
um, uplifting maybe. Um, so <laughs> you, you've obviously, an, again, a phenomenal uh, freestyle paddler, a lot of big wave experience, a lot of stakeout missions, and um, a, a lot of finals and stuff like that in the world championships. We, get, we got to compete against each other in the finals um, in uh, whatever, what was it, 20, 2015? 2015 in garb yeah that was super fun um so the next world championships are going to be in england uh kind of in your home stomping grounds in nottingham are we going to see an appearance an appearance from you there or you're going to come out of the woodworks for us and kind of show us all those epic combos that you have in the local spot i i keep going backwards and forwards about whether i'll do it or not but who knows man i mean never say never it would it would feel wrong to me to not be there and compete in at a, a place where I spent so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours, you know, it would yeah. feel really strange to me, but at the same time, like competitions and all that time and the idea of it sort of turns me off. And then, and then the, like, like the, like the politics and the dramas that go along with it. I'm like, I don't know, mate, maybe I'm getting old, but I'm like, I just, I just like cruising down rivers and trying to do cool things off waterfalls and things like that, you know, like whether I think competition for me was always so cool because it was such a way to focus and to train and then be able to look back and be like, you know, like when I got to guard that year, where I started and where I finished was honestly, without being big headed was, was crazy progress, you know, from being able to hit like one big trick on a ride consistently to like eight or nine that was that was such cool progress and that was an amazing time and that that world's felt really fun to me but a lot of them a lot of them don't have that same feeling to me you know and uh, I think also like as I get older now time and travel become more of a commodity and I'm like if I if I'm gonna do something then I'm gonna do it well and to do it well I need like probably six weeks at Nottingham just training you know and yeah. am I going to put that time in in peak season for Norway when I could be flying off waterfalls or other things with my friends I, I don't know but it's, it would be really hard for me to stay away so I don't know where I don't know what will happen basically I guess it will just depend whether I'm motivated at the time that's a solid maybe then <laughs> yeah solid maybe awesome. what about you mate you're going uh probably yeah i mean it's one of those other like i i've never purposefully actually i, I mean i don't know it, it's got to be what 20 2000 2007 was my first world championships and i haven't missed one since so it would be weird to not go but at the same point i don't know that i mean i'm kind of the same with you a little bit where i to me, competing, it's like a game. It's like playing a game of Monopoly or playing a game of chess or playing any sort of game with your friends where you play because you like to play games and you try to win because you're playing a game. But I don't know. I, I do think that there is some some aspects that get a little political and get a little bit, I don't know. There are certain things of the ICF in particular where... I, the game is out of your hands and you're no longer playing necessarily the same game, but maybe that's just part of the game too. Maybe the rules are just different and, and, and I've got to adapt to those rules. So I don't know e- either way, long story short, I'm probably going to be going. Um, and by probably, I mean, there's, there's a solid, like a really good chance that, I, that I'd be going. Um, but, but yeah, it's, 
don't know, my, my mentality towards competing has definitely changed a little bit over the years for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, surely it has to be being at world championships since 2007, you know, and then yeah. I, I honestly, mate, I, I have a lot of respect for you just being motivated to go because after you won in 2009, for me, myself, personally, I would be like, that's it. I quit. I'm out. You'll never, <laughs> you'll never see me at a competition again. I won. I'm out. We're done. And, uh, and I think, I think that speaks volumes to myself with how I feel about competitions, you know, like for me, I'm excited every single day to get out and go kayaking. And there's nothing I would rather do than to, you know, kayak down a good river and film it with my friends. That's my number one thing that makes me happiest. Whereas competitions, I'm like, oh, I can't really be bothered, but I should, you know? Yeah. And it's that whole like should versus want to that, right. that speaks volumes, you know? Yeah. For me, it's it, I kind of just explained it, but it, it's like, it's like playing, you know, game game of bag toss or or just like playing a game with any of your buddies where you're like, hey, like, do, do you ever have a with your friend where you're like, hey, let's uh, I'll I'll race you to the end of the driveway or I'll you know whatever like anything like that. It's just there's that aspect for me, and that's the same reason why in a lot of ways actually I love creek racing almost more so than my roots are still like deep in freestyle, and so I love you know freestyle through and through, but um. But what I do love about creek racing and motocross for that matter is that there is no, there's no judge. So there's no discrepancy of like who won. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, whoever was, whoever was the fastest, um, is the winner. And, and, and even motocross is even easier because it's like whoever, you know, made it there before the other, the other guys or girls, uh, they won. And I think I don't know for freestyle again. I love, I love, love, love freestyle. I just, the part that, and we're definitely getting deep into this whole like political realm of, of ICF and, and judging and all that kind of stuff. But I just, uh, I feel like at some points that the free style has been choked out where it's like no longer freestyle where it's like, no, you actually have to just do exactly what we tell you to do. And if you don't, then you don't get scored anything. It's like, well, what happened to the whole free style part? Freestyle means I get to throw my own style into it. Um, and so I, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's, that gets, that gets limited sometimes in, in some of the ICF events. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I would never criticize anyone, especially not when you're putting on a big event. Cause uh, you know, after, after doing unleashed all my hats off to anyone that organized an event. Cause it's, it's a crazy amount of work with a lot of, non-fun things to in order for the fun thing to happen you know and you're investing yeah. so much time in it so my hat's off to anyone that makes an event but for me personally looking at it i would rather it be like a skate jam or something like that where like you get a minute on the clock we we have some tricks written down but like if you do something extraordinary then you go get scored for that you know whereas yeah. at the moment with that spreadsheet scoring style them shit summed it up best years ago where they called it trick racing you know like yeah. and you're basically you're racing to fit in the most tricks because for a long time that was a winning formula mm -hmm. now from what i'm seeing i think there's been like a whole new wave of progression people are linking up so much now that i think that now there's there is more free in the freestyle events you know but it's taken a while for that to happen but whether i'm there or not i'm excited to watch the rides go down yeah yeah no, and it's a, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go like I'm not trying to bash on on freestyle or the way that it's that it's judged. So so maybe we should just kind of <laughs> dip out of this out of this a little bit. Um, But yeah, how so you guys, you know, you're hosting your own events, the Unleashed events, which are super cool. And I unfortunately have yet to participate. So I'm really hoping you guys come back and do it again so I can compete in one of them. And is there is there another Unleashed coming in the future or what's kind of happening there? Never there was. <clears throat> and a lot of the work was put into it already. But then with COVID, it just obviously got put on the back burner because the last thing we would ever want is to bring inter- international athletes from around the world to potentially spread spread a disease to a, a potentially vulnerable community you know it's not what we right. would ever want for the sport or the people that live there or anyone to be involved in that so we're just like well until this is sorted out then we're just gonna not do one and yeah. um yeah man, i think as soon as the world calms down again then yeah absolutely we'll be hoping to do another one and uh yeah i mean for me it's for me it's it's cool because everyone's motivated you know but i'm just excited to see events happen on the sort of rivers and rapids that really are extraordinary you know the things that people dream about going and doing whereas Mm -hmm. not all of them but a lot of competitions happen on smaller features because it's easier to contain and fit into that box you know and um yeah i would be stoked to start making them happen again hopefully with a bit more support with organizing them because i i've done it a few times now but i am not the guy to sort out getting insurance (laughs) for those events so honestly it makes me so unhappy dealing with insurance companies yeah. and um yeah they I, I hope we'll make one happen again yeah awesome awesome well I, I i definitely hope to hope to participate with uh whenever the next one comes around and it's just I, i've always really enjoyed those style of events uh grand prix did it as well uh pat camlin back in the day where it's just the combination of kind of like a multitude of aspects of whitewater kayaking you know you've got your big wave you've got your more technical freestyle you've got your boat across you've got your extreme race kind of all that stuff giant slalom all kind of packaged together and then it's like the overall i don't know champion or winner or whoever you know however you want to title it um but just the the combination of all those different aspects put together I, i think is just a really cool way of of uh determining a you know a winner and 100 mate i'm all about that and it is it's weird eh? we talk about that a few times now is like a lot of times some for a while people were specialists you know some like some people were really good at one side of a sport and terrible at another and other people were good at multiple sides of a sport and then it all changed throughout the years but now with like the down river freestyle i think people are starting to realize again how important having a base in freestyle just normally is not only for being you know all the all the benefits of getting worked in a stopper and all of that stuff but when yeah. a new trick off a water col- waterfall comes out if you can already do that movement in another dynamic you're already so far ahead of the game when you do want to throw it in like a high pressure dangerous situation like off a waterfall you know if you've already gone out and practiced and put the hours in as opposed to someone that hasn't and it's just there like um i think i have it in my head we're just gonna go out and try it you know it's yeah i'm, I'm, re- I'm really excited to see that um starting to turn around and swing back now with more people spending time trying to freestyle and especially with the half slice kayaks i'm all about that movement feels like i know it feels really special yeah, it, it is super cool, and you definitely are one of the 
one of the, well, I mean, there's, there's a, a couple people, but I would definitely put you in that category of people kind of pushing that half slice and pushing the freestyle into the Creek scene and, and into the down river scene. So thanks for, uh, for doing that and, and keep pushing that realm. Uh, and in saying that just kind of, what do you see like for yourself in the next three to five years? I mean, obviously you've been su- super successful in lots of different aspects of kayaking and, and with your YouTube and with your brand and everything, what's, what's your next couple of years look like? Yeah, just, just, uh, yeah, honestly, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and, um, hopefully just keep trying to do it better. You know, I have, I have now some like specific like planned projects I'm trying to do with sponsors and um that that is my goal over the next three to five years you know there's a couple of video series in that there's a couple of um videos and other movements and things like that so I'm just trying to piece it all together and at the same time trying to be more into activism and all of that stuff not because it's like a trendy thing at the moment but because I had two friends set up a charity to save rivers and the charity is called save our rivers and it was set up by my mates tom laws and dan yates and basically they made me feel like such a rubbish person because i could talk for a long time about all the reasons why i find hydropower negative but would i get up and try and do something about all the dams being proposed around the world no i wouldn't you know because it wasn't I don't, I don't even know why I wasn't doing it, but they motivated me so much to try and be involved on that side of things. So I hope to try and tie it all together now, you know? That's awesome. I love that. I, I think having that mission too is, is so powerful. And uh, yeah, I, I wish you the best with that. And um, also let me know if there's anything that I can that I can do to help on my end or even just like I usually ask this later on, but if there's anything that my listeners can help that – I don't know. Just, just let me know how I can bring value to you uh, and that whole mission as well. hundred yeah, percent will. Yeah, that would be wicked. And I appreciate that. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be some more petitions coming around in the near future and um, the more signatures, the better, obviously. So yeah, that'd be wicked. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Brent. I'm going to move us on uh, to the next segment of our show. I feel like I could talk with you for hours, uh, being that it's been, you know, over, I don't even know, it's probably been closer to two years since I've actually got to to meet up with you in person. Um, And just getting to catch up is awesome. So thank you for your time. But but I'll try not to take up too much more of your time. And I'm going to just fire off these, these couple questions that I end the show with and I ask all of our guests. Um... Bren, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Um, I never saw a wild thing. Sorry for itself. Say that one more time. Sorry. I I never saw a wild thing. Sorry for itself. I love that. Wow. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, me too, mate. That's that's that's, that's one of my most favorites because I heard I heard that and similar to you the first time I heard it or read it, I was like huh and then i think about it and i'm like that's a good point that's that's very true that is right you know in one little short sentence yeah very very thought-provoking for sure um bren what would be a lesson that you've learned recently uh whether it be through uh, a mistake or through success um through a mistake or success honestly mate it's the timing you know and um just trying to just trying to really really feel when you're trying to push against the flow and trying to go up river and trying to trying to feel when you can go down river and move nicely through the rapids you know like there's 
there's definitely a time no matter how motivated you are where you just have to sit back and wait for the for like the the, the window to the opportunity to open up for you, you know because it will just sometimes it's not the right time there it shouldn't stop you trying more in the future i love that and 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 i think just the way that you tie that into you know a kayaking analogy as well is so perfect where it's so much harder to fight against the flow and it's so much easier to just go with it so when when it feels like you're fighting um you might be, you might be going in the wrong direction best teacher is the river yeah to you man no i i totally agree that the, the river is the best teacher and and i've actually i've thought about this for some time about actually writing a book about just like different life experiences that the river or lessons maybe that the river has taught me and how those can um extrapolate out to other aspects of life um but yeah the, the river is just an incredible teacher um Bren, I also know that you're an avid reader and I wanted to ask what would be one of your favorite books or possibly a current book that you're reading? Oh man, you know, there's so many, uh, there's just so many books to recommend here. I mean, the, the classics that I would recommend to people would be Freakonomics, anything by Yuval Harari, um, storybooks are good i honestly man i'd have to go on to my my goodreads account and look at things but yeah i would yeah thinking fast and slow daniel kahneman is a really good book right now i'm reading i have to go get my kindle but it's called it's something to do with irrationality the title i've always forget it because on the kindle i never see the title of the book i just read it is it irrational and, uh, thinking or it's, it's else? phenomenal mate i really enjoy it i'll it's something like that. It's like rationality in the human. I wonder. Oh, mate, I have it right here. <laughs> yeah, irrationality, the enemy within. Irrationality, the enemy within. And uh, honestly, mate, I'm so I'm so impressed with this book. Like, really good, um, really good insights, really good sarcasm, really good. Um, the way he puts it across is just brilliant. And uh, yeah, that's a book I'm reading at the moment. I really enjoyed it. Before that, I read. Um, ride of a lifetime bob Iger about the disney about disney's come up because it's crazy to see how that company's gone in the last few years and then teddy roosevelt's books and the stories about him going around um <laughs> i was reading richard fennyman um, six easy pieces not that easy <laughs> he was that guy that guy is my hero and he's got a he's got he's got an autobiography about him you know being being him basically because this is a nobel prize winning physicist i think and someone that worked on uh, amazing things in that in that category and he used to go and and like work on his physics problems in a strip club you know and he used to go on all these <laughs> adventures and he just used to be like wacky crazy professor that was so smart and could figure so many things out you know and i loved that i loved that so much because it was he was an academic, but he's also a free spirit. So that's someone I look up to a lot. And his book is phenomenal for anyone that's looking for a book to read. The Yeah, his autobiography is all time. And it's not that long either. That's awesome. I, I love your book recommendations. And, and a lot of your ones in the past have been, uh, I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed them. So I'll have to check some of these out for sure. And uh, 
a lot of the books that you just mentioned, actually, I haven't read. And so I'll definitely look those up. But uh, I encourage everybody else to to read Bren's books as well, being that or not Bren's books, but his recommendations as his past recommendations to me have, have always been all time. Um, Bren, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice anytime throughout your life, what might it be? piece of advice oh man honestly mate it would just be like like it's gonna work out just hold on you know like don't don't give up you know because there are a few times where it just felt too hard to keep going and that i should i should just listen to everyone and give up you know and that would it's easy when you're in the future you know because it's all in the hindsight and you're not you you don't remember vividly all those moments where things went wrong and where it was painful and all of that stuff you know but yeah I think a future version speaking to a previous version of myself in the past it would just be hold on mate it's gonna work out that's awesome um if you Bren were to leave this earth today and everything that you've done all the videos, um, all just all of your accomplishments were to go with you and everything was erased and all you were left was a piece of paper and you could leave three truths. What would those three truths be? Um, three truths. Again, it would be the, the best advice is the easiest one to ignore. And um, number two would be, um, Number two would be the, the the warmest jacket you can wear is the one made from um, physical effort. You know, like if you, I had that a lot when I was a kid. I didn't have a, a nice jacket or a coat or anything, and I would just start doing jumping jacks or press ups or running, and you get your body temperature up, and you'd be just fine in a couple of minutes. And uh, my third one would be never trust anyone that defines themselves by what they put in their mouth. And uh, that can mean a bunch of things. You can take it as you want. But <laughs> for example, I'm going br- to, I need to think of a way to put this across where I don't, I don't become a huge hypocrite because the way, the way that I use that saying is because I, I am vegetarian. I do, I am like conscious about what I eat and all that stuff, but I don't care what other people do. You know, like if you want to ask me about something about that diet and that lifestyle, I'm, happily i'll talk to you about it and i would love to hear your insights whether you follow it or not but some people are like hi my name's vegan (laughs) oh my name's not vegan my name's christopher but i am vegan do you know about being a vegan you should be a vegan you know it's it's like it's too much it's not the i think it's a really good movement to to just go less away from factory farming at the very least if not if not other forms of meat as well but um, but trying to push it on people in that direction, it just it just means that people push back and don't don't consider it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that goes beyond just food consumption too. The more that you push any opinion, I think the more likely some people will will push back in in an opposite direction. Anyway, hundred um, percent. Bren, thank you so very much for joining me. This has been honestly an amazing conversation and just love getting to to catch up with you. I wish you so much the best with all of your adventures and endeavors that are that are coming into your life uh, currently, your projects into the future, and I can't wait to go paddling with you. 
for anybody out there that wants to connect with you, that wants to follow along, uh, that wants to reach out to you, what might be the best way for, for someone to connect with you? Oh, Nate, we've got like this, the main send channel on YouTube is just send. And if people type in send kayaking on Google, it'll probably pop up. Those are the best videos we make. Those are the ones we put the most time, energy, effort into. And um, that's with the whole crew. And then we have senders, which is more behind the scenes, day-to-day life vlogging style, which is myself and Adrian. And, um, and then if you want to check my stuff out personally, then I've got Instagram and it's just Bren Orton. Awesome. Well, I'll have all of those links as well in the show notes. Again, thank you so very much for your time, Bren. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I honestly, I feel like I could just talk with you for hours again. We should definitely grab a beer at some point and I can't wait to paddle with you. Final question of the day for you, bud. Um, what is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome, honestly, mate, it's, it'll be cliche, but it's like anyone that that loves what they do despite any of the struggles out there, you know, like, like you found that thing in your life that is worth going through whatever you have to go through to get it. And people are just out there enjoying it. It can be anything, but I think that's really cool. And for any of you listeners, there's a, there's a cool video series by Solomon called her way. And that's all about women getting out into the outdoors with all the adversity they have to come along the way, which is, you know, it's, it's just, it sounds so, it's so much better than I'm making it sound right now. I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's a sick video series. I loved it. That, cool. that for me would be the definition of awesome. Those, those ladies in that video and all the other ones doing what they do. Sick. I love that. I love that. Now I'll, I'll also put that, uh, that link in the show notes too, and I'll check it out myself. Again, thank you so very much, Bren. I hope to all of our listeners out there that you guys got some value out of this. Bren's story is incredible. Uh, his advice very thought-provoking and great advice. Some of the best advice I, I feel like we've had on the show, especially for young athletes uh, wanting to chase their dreams and just pursue their passion. So thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in, for listening. And if you did enjoy this, I couldn't ask uh, enough if you could just share this with someone else, someone that you think might need to hear this and hear Bren's story and just kind of help us build our collective and our community as a whole. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.